0: And we're really always glad when new people are part of us here and just come and see what is happening, whether it be on a Sunday morning or a Sunday evening in Mansfield. We've really had a great time over the last few weeks because we've been talking with regards to vision, and it's been a real joy to be able to just share three particular emphases that we're wanting to just work in into our everyday lives, reaching, multiplying, and influencing, and I love it when we get stories. If you've got a great story of something that God has done in your life, then please email it to us because it may be that we share it, like I'm about to now. But we were talking about reaching, how we wanted to reach people, how we wanted to pray for people, how we wanted to love and serve people, and um, that isn't just for those who are outside of a church context, but also that can be also some people who are finding the way here in church, and. Um, I received an email on Friday uh, because actually one of our young mums in the the life of the church, she was just talking to a young son. I think Tom would probably be seven. And he was talking about faith and how he could become a Christian. And uh, the email came through that actually the the joy of the mum was that she was able to lead her own son to, to Jesus, pray a prayer of salvation while he was in the bath. I just love stories like that. I really do. I love, I love that I get to hear stories like that as the pastor of the church. It just fills my heart with such joy when good things are happening in people's lives. Amen. And are we believing for more children to find Jesus. Amen. Can I hear an amen? We're believing for more young people to find Jesus. Can I hear an amen? We're believing for more families and more singles and more older people to find Jesus in these coming days because we want to grow. And it is a real joy to be able to share stories like that. So if you've got stories of God's blessing that's happening, just bring them in and we may just, you know, weave them into messages. Over the next four weeks, it's our joy to be able to talk to you about essentials. And it's my joy to just introduce that subject to us today. This Message really springs out of a prayer. And in a moment, I'm going to read from Ephesians in chapter 1. And it's really, there aren't many prayers that are actually written in and recorded in the Bible. But this is very much a, a, a clear prayer that Paul is praying around the church in Ephesus. And I also want to say that, you know, over the course of the week, there, there aren't many days that go by that I, that I don't pray For the A to Z of Arena Church, praying over you, believing for God to bless you, believing to God for God to give you wisdom for strength, for divine appointments, for prosperity, and for blessing. It's important that we pray for one another. And Paul is praying for this church in Ephesus. Let's turn to it, shall we? Let's dive straight into it. Because in Ephesians in chapter one and verse. 16 through to 19. This is what Paul says. I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I'll just stop there for a moment. Paul is praying, and Paul is praying a particular prayer, and he is praying that the, 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 the people would, would receive a spirit of wisdom and revelation. What I've realized is actually it is the job of the pastor to bring a particular emphasis to the church. And that is one of the things that I want to do, and one of the things that we want to do, whoever's on the platform, is to actually bring clarity to people's lives. We want you to see this clearly. Clearly. It's, it's, it's my job to be able to show you clearly. So you have one of those divine moments where you say, Ah, I see it. I've got it. That's what it means. And Paul is praying this kind of prayer. And he said, I want you to receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation. You see, when we begin to see things, when we begin to get clarity, then, and we begin to understand what God's plan is for our life, This fixes a whole load of things. And so Paul then goes on to say four things. Four prayers that he prays. He says this. The first thing, I pray that you may know him better. I pray that you, what he's basically saying is, I pray that you would know God. I pray that you would have a closeness of relationship with God. You may be that you're here today and you don't know God. And I want to say I absolutely love the fact that every week we have people who come and sit in our services and who don't know God. And by the way, if you've been sitting here for some months and you still don't know God, you're still very welcome because we like people to go on the journey. But I also love the fact that there's people who have come into this place who didn't know God and now actually do know God. You're actually understanding who God really is. There are other people here who it isn't that you 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 don't know God. You do know God, but I pray, like Paul, that you may know God better. I pray that as a result of being here in this place today, that you will actually know God better. The second thing he says is this: I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. How many of you know that our hearts have eyes? It's the filter. It's the filter. There are things that we see, but there are things that we see deep within us that resonate in our heart, and some of those things also cling to our hearts, good and bad. Let me just address some of the bad stuff, because there's stuff that can get in our hearts that are classified under the word issues, hurts, pain, disappointment, and Paul is basically saying, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. How I look at that, and I think what Paul is really wanting to say is, I'm wanting your, your, the, the eyes of your heart to be free. I'm wanting your, your hearts to be able to be free of all these kinds of issues, free of the pollution, free of the issues. So you are liberated, your, the eyes of your hearts become alive and free. This is what he's saying, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Why is he saying this? In order that you. So there's a reason. These things he wants you to know God. He wants us to you know, experience the, the eyes of our hearts being enlightened. In order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Hope has called every one of us. There's a hope that rests over every one of our lives. There's something that God has destined for every one of us. To do, I want to say every one of us are called. You may say, "No chance." You know, you're, no, you're the pastor. You're the one who's called. You're the one who's called to be on, any, on this platform. Let me tell you, we are all called. Every one of us are called. Every one of us has been called with something to do. But the problem is this: we don't often get to the hope, okay, which he has called us. Because our hearts are often full of issues. The only way I can describe it is I wear glasses and I'm, I'm often checking to make sure that they're clean and they're not smudged. Because if they're smudged, you can't see clearly. And oftentimes, because our hearts are so full of stuff, it's like the smudging of our glasses. And we need to get free of the smudges so we can see the hope to which he has Called us. Many of us can't see today or tomorrow because of the junk of yesterday. My joy this morning and my joy over the next four weeks with others is to take us on a journey through stages. We want you to know God. We want you to find freedom. We want you to come to the place where you understand you have a hope. You are called to do something. You know, someone said this, there are two days that are so important the day that you were born and the day you realize what you were born for. And many people don't step into the second day of what you were born for. Then Paul goes on to say this, not only the hope to which he has called you, but the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. I want to say this, God has a glorious inheritance You may say, well, what does that mean? Let let me put it this way. God has something outstanding for every one of our lives. The problem is many of us don't realize it because we've had such garbage spoken over us. And that garbage in rests in our hearts and often then we speak garbage. But God is wanting to say to each of us here today that he has a glorious inheritance. He has something outstanding. He has something that is full of blessing for each and every one of us. And he wants us to step into it. He wants us to believe it. He wants us to understand it. He wants us to live out of a sense of purpose and fullness where we can then go and make a difference. I once heard one pastor, as he was talking about this particular, you know, process, he spoke about it as a spiritual continuum. And the spiritual continuum is this, that God wants to take us on a journey. I'll keep saying this. So we will know God. We will know God better. We will find freedom. We will discover our purpose. For then we can go and make a difference. There's a journey that God wants to take each and every one of us. And if I can say this, as one of the pastors, my job is a tour guide. My job this morning is to take you on a little bit of a tour guide, and it's not to show you this place over here. This It's to show you this field. Because basically pastors are shepherds. And shepherds lead sheep. And the shepherd's job is to take sheep to fresh grass to feed upon. And then once you've fed on that, and there's no more grass level, we say, come on guys, let's come over to this other field, and come and feast on this field. And then once we've fed on that field, come and feast on this field. Have you got it? There's a progression that God is wanting to take each and every one of us on. And I honestly say this, there are some of you here, if you've been Christians for 40 years, 50 years Many, many years. I've been a Christian for many, many years now. But this has revolutionized my thinking in terms of the process of what God wants to do. I'm looking at this with fresh eyes. I'm not thinking that I know it all or I've done that before. I know God. I've found freedom. I know what I'm called to do. What purpose has this got to my life? Now, if we will open our eyes and our hearts, God will speak to each and every one of us. Not just for those who are new to faith. Not just to those... Who are on the journey to faith, but also for those who have been in faith many, many years. I love what Ephesians and chapter 1, verse 17 and 19 says in the message. And this is what he says I ask and I ask. The God of our master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent. Oh, anybody would say that? That's a great prayer this morning. God, give me some intelligence. You know, those who are coming to the GCSEs, oh, God, give me some intelligence. A-levels, give me some intelligence. That big test. God wants to give us intelligence. He wants to give us a discerning so that we can what? Know him personally. So your eyes are focused and clear, so you can see exactly what he is calling you to do. And grasp the immensity of of this glorious way of life he has for his followers. This is one of the most important messages I think we've probably spoken in Arena Church in my time here. Honestly. Honestly because this will really help every single one of us. And if we will just embrace this and we will just allow God to speak to us this morning, then what he will do, he will enable us to understand where we are and to take the next step. Not asking us to take next four, five, six, seven steps, just for understand where we are and then just take the next step. As I said a moment ago, every one of us, doesn't matter where we are, God is wanting to lead us to the next step then once we've got that step, he's wanted to take us what? To the next step. So this is why this message is so, so important. So let me just dive into it, shall I? Because I've just given a broad outline. Because Paul is praying this prayer to the Ephesians church, and I just headlined it by this. The first thing he asks us to do, and the first thing he wants us to do, is he wants us to know God. He then says this, as we've read it in the message, that you will know him personally. There's some people who've been here, and you know his songs, and you know his church, you know how things work. You might even know me, you might even know Phil, you know some of the guys around. But I'm not talking about just mentally knowing, I'm talking about intimately knowing God. You see, give me, just raise your hand if you know of David Cameron, the prime minister. He's the Prime Minister of uh, England, Britain. Just give me a wave if you know. We all know David Cameron, but none of us actually know David Cameron, do we? You know his name, but we don't actually know him. And there's a common Greek word that runs through the New Testament when it uses the word no, I don't want to get too technical here, but I just want to say it's this, Ginos, ginosko. And ginosko is not just about knowing as in, well, I sort of know. The know of ginosko is that we know intimately. We know intimately. The kind of know Paul is addressing here is that he wants us to know God intimately. He doesn't just want us to know about him He wants us to actually know Him. Do you understand? I come across many, many good people. Good people. Who even know some of the Bible. Who know all the hymns. They know how to pray. But when you talk to them about a living relationship with Jesus Christ. And knowing God the Father. There's a blank look upon their face. Because they know all about him, but they don't actually know him intimately. Paul is wanting to address this to the Ephesians church. And I just challenge us this morning that we would know God and that we would know him personally. The kind of no, as I've mentioned, is actually the one that, where it addresses the issue with Adam and Eve. Where it says Adam knew his wife. I don't want to go into all the details here. But basically what it's saying is that Adam knew his wife. Give me a wave if you know what I'm talking about. And then they had a child. It was that kind of knowing. It wasn't just knowing of, he actually knew. I was thinking on this for a moment because I remember my mind came back to it as I was just preparing this. And many of you know that I, I, I gave my life to, to the Lord as a 11-year-old. 11, 11, 11, 12, I can't ex- exactly remember the absolute date, but it was 11, 12, it was that kind of age. But prior to that, I remember, we used to have gospel. Can anybody remember the gospel services on Sunday night? Every Sunday night was a gospel service. Even though there were no new people in, everybody always preached the gospel. And it was just how it worked. But I remember one distinct time when the pastor who, who was there gave an appeal. And I remember putting my hand up. And all I could remember was I would probably be five or six. And him taking me to the pastor's vestry. There was somebody else there. And he led me through the sinner's prayer. He led me through the sinner's prayer. Now the fact is I'd responded. but I thought to myself, listen. I didn't really know God. I knew about God, but I didn't really know God. It was only when I was 11 or 12, and I made that absolute decision to follow Jesus. And by the way, I then got hooked up with a lot of other young people. It was through youth camps. That's why I so love the fact when young people go to Alton Castle, because something happens when young people go away together. Something significantly happens. I remember particularly one down in Great Wall down on the south coast, and God really just you know, impacting my heart and my life, and just knowing, just knowing God. I remember in those gatherings, God doing all kinds of extraordinary things in, in, that, in that gathering that we was together. And I remember my mom saying to, my, and my brother was there as well, I remember my mom saying to us, um, it was I think it was the first night we were back after the camp, and she heard some noise in our bedroom, we were sharing a bedroom, and she came into our bedroom and she realized what was happening. We were both speaking in tongues while we were in our sleep. <laughs> we were both just, you know, just speaking in another language. I don't understand all that. and I don't want to build a theology on it, but I think probably what it was, it was just an overflow, a residue of just something that would have been happening. We it just had to get out of us. It was at that point that I knew God. I met with God. I knew him. I knew that he was real in my heart and life. Listen to me today. If you don't know the God that I'm talking about, you can know him today. You can experience God for yourself. As Julie has already led us, he loves us. He loves you. He cares for you deeply. There is stuff that happens to all of us, but his love never fails. It never gives up. I was just thinking on the fact that there are many people who will say, well, I know God. And Jesus addresses this in Matthew chapter 7, moving very quickly, because he says this in verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name, did we not drive out demons? And in your name, perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never gnosko you. I never knew you. I never knew you intimately. Away from me, you evildoers. God is drawing each and every one of us here in Arena Church to know God better. He wants to know you. You may say, well, how do I know that I know Him? 1 John 2 verse 3 helps us to understand how we can do this. And he says, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. The things that God asks us to do, they become more of a natural rhythm of our lives, not a forced thing. And one of the things, not the only thing, one of the things that I want to just challenge us in this particular thing of knowing God. And one of the action steps that I believe that we should take, and we're trying to lead you on a journey, taking you from field to field, is this. There's an action step. Under each of these four headings, there's an action step. The action step is this. First of all, be baptized. We want you to be baptized. We want you to be water baptized. You may say, you well, a Christian, I've already done this. You know, I was christened. I was christened as a baby. So do I need to be baptized? Yes, is the answer. Yes, you do. You may say, well, I did it when I was eight or nine, but I really didn't know God, and surely I can't do it again. Is that not disrespecting? No, it isn't. It's just confirming and celebrating what's happened in the past. But you've now come to the point where you say, I've decided to follow Jesus for myself. I know him intimately. We want to encourage each and every one of you to come to the point where you say yes to Jesus and where the next step of your life is that you say, I want to be baptized in water. For those who are still a little bit unsure, let me say to you, every example of baptism in Scripture is post-decision. And when I'm talking about uh, baptism, I'm talking about full immersion. There are 27 examples in the Bible, and every one of them is post-decision decision you've got to make a decision an understanding decision a discerning decision an intelligent decision a mature decision and if you've done that then I want to encourage you to be baptized i'm so glad that already we've got people who were saying yes they want to be baptized on the 27th of march and i just encourage you at the end i'm going to make this uh, mention of it again but i just encourage you to put your name down. The second thing I want to just go into this is because we see that not only do we need to know God, but we need to also find freedom. The the verse is that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Find freedom. Now you know God. He now works on your hearts. What happens is your heart becomes, the filter of your heart becomes clear and clean You know, there are some people who say, I've tried, I've done this. I heard somebody actually just this week say, I did a New Year's resolution and I failed after the second day. Well, you will do. Because it's impossible to change our lives without Jesus Christ being in our hearts. It really is. The big issues of our lives, I think it's almost impossible to do them outside of Christ. But this is what happens when Jesus comes into our lives, we now have the power to deal with the issues that are in our hearts, those hurts, those disappointments, those fears that we were, see, we were singing about, even today. Can I get an amen in this place? You're very quiet. When we get saved, those issues, those hurts, those addictions, we now have the power to address them. Proverbs four verse 23 says this: "Keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it spring the issues of life. Everybody say, issues of life. Let me say, we all have issues. If you don't think you have an issue, that is the issue. We all, we all have issues. Every single one of us. At different degrees, but we all have issues. And God is wanting to bring every one of us to a point where we find freedom in our hearts. You see, if we stay here, we cannot move forward. Going back to this smudge on the glasses. If we stay here with issues in our hearts, our glasses are smudged, and we cannot see the next thing that God is wanting to lead us into. Because of the junk of the past will keep us slaved to where we are now. Am I speaking to anybody? You may say, well, Christian, that's great, but how do I find freedom? It's surely got to be between God and me. Well, of course it is. It's confessing our sins to before God and He's faithful and just to forgive us. But I don't think it's just about that. Please hear me very carefully. You've heard me say this from last summer. I was really impacted by this verse in James in chapter 5 and verse 16. Here we read that James says, therefore confess your sins to each other. Everybody say, confess your sins to each each other. And pray for each other so that you may be healed. I thought it was literally just about me taking the things to God and that was enough. And of course God's forgiveness and salvation flows, His mercy flows. But actually there's a power that happens if we want to find real freedom, that we confess our sins to one another. I'm not talking about standing before you now and telling you everything that I did yesterday and the day before, even though you'd love that, to write down, the pastor did this. I can't, can you believe he did this? (laughs) Don't feel so bad now. I'm not talking about that. I am talking about finding people that you confess your sins to and that they will pray for you so you can find healing. I wonder if people have got that in their lives beyond a spouse. I wonder if there's people who were here, you could say, well, we're able to confess. And we know that those people will pray for us. And we know those people will keep a confidence. And we know those people will not blab it all over Ilkeston. And we know those people love us. And we know those people won't think anything worse of us. In fact, actually, they'll think more of us because they've been honest. It's the first part of finding freedom, guys. It really is. It doesn't come naturally to me because I'm quite, although I'm out here, here, there, up here, I'm actually quite closed in many areas. Would much rather just keep things to myself, mull things over. Caroline often has to say to me, what is going on in your heart? We have a Friday Day, and we'll go for a coffee, and if she'll she'll just say to me, what is going on in your heart? Because it doesn't come naturally to me, but I've realized there is a power, and I confess my sins, my issues, my hurts, my disappointments, my fears to some small group who love me, who care for me, who want the best for me, and they will pray for me, and I'll find healing. In Jesus' name. How do we do that? Because I can see now, I've all got you there. Because we all have have issues. We all have habits. I really believe this happens through small groups. Change happens in small groups. You find a small group, and it may be that you're not going to confess to that whole small group, but you're in a small group with two other guys, and you just heard their story And it's not an incestuous group, it's not a closed group, it's not an insular group, but it's a group where you're comfortable in, and you may just be in that group, and Andy's in that group, and you've heard Andy's story, and you say to Andy on one night, Andy, could I just have half an hour with you while we're just together? Sure. Andy, I just need to talk to you. I just get so angry. I get so angry about stuff. Would you just pray with me? Would you stand with me? You know, and just believe that God's going to help me. Of course I will. Let's pray now. Are you hearing me? And in that moment, I've confessed, we've prayed, and we believe for healing. Where does that happen? It happens in a small group. Because we all have issues. Nudge the person next to you and say, you've got issues. (laughs) Some of you like saying that a little bit too much. You really, really enjoyed saying that, didn't you? Some wives to your husbands—you've got issues. I'm glad I wasn't sat down there. I really am. The action step here I said after each one let's get getting a small group. We've got small groups that are coming online. I'm glad to announce that Bob and Mandy are going to be releasing a small group. That's right, and I'm not. Yeah, they're going to be releasing a small group and. There's going to be small groups that are more coming online. There's others that are in training. We want to see everybody in small groups. We're on a bit of a journey, how, what they look like. And I, I have to say, I'm, I, I'm wanting to see groups of different kinds of shapes and sizes. If you want to do, I understand there's a few guys who love cycling. Go and have a cycling group. If you want to go and have a walking group, go and have a walking group. We've got to give some definition to it. But the whole point, is an opportunity. It's not about the cycling. It's not about the walking It's about the fact that you can connect and you can just talk to someone and they can help you on your journey. Are you hearing me? The third thing is, and I love this, because Paul uses the phrase, in order that, when we read Ephesians 1. The eyes of your heart are enlightened, in order that. We've got to deal with these two before we can progress to number three. The third field is this, that you will discover your purpose and that you may know the hope to which he has called you. You can't discover your purpose until you've found freedom. And when you realize you've been called to a hope, it gives you and instills in you a sense of purpose. You've heard me say before, I just love doing what I do. There are some things that I may not enjoy about what I have to do, but I... I absolutely enjoy what I do. Why is that? Because I feel like I've, I've, I've heard my hope. I've heard my calling. I know what I'm called to do. I'm trying to do it to the best of my ability. And 1 Peter 4 verse 10 says this, God has given each of you, each of you, a gift from his great variety of spiritual great gifts. Use them well to serve one another. God has given you, if you're taking notes, just underline that. You, God has given each and every one of you a gift that's from. his variety of gifts. There's so many gifts that God has given. I think we've been come too close around that. There are some people who administer all kinds of gifts, scores of gifts. And it's beautiful when they're all working. And what I've really realized is this. There are some people who come alive. In a particular area. They come alive when they're making drinks of teas and baking cakes for me to make me fatter. You come alive. You come alive when you're doing things like that. There's some people who come alive when they're painting and when they're gardening. There are some people who come alive when they're on the stage. We come alive in different things. And why is that? Because God is wide as all different. There's some people who come alive and and are absolutely alive when they're dealing with children. My wife's one of them. I won't tell you my experience of children's work, but it wasn't pretty. Let me tell you that much. The patience that you need to handle children. But you come alive. You come alive. And I'm grateful for every one of us who come alive. We need to embrace this just very simply. That when we've moved through the progressions, we realize that we have discovered our purpose. We realize that we have a hope to which he has called us. And we see we've got a gift and we just realize that it's from the variety of gifts and then we begin to use them. What is the action step here? Some of you are here today and you have no idea what your hope is. You have no idea what your purpose is. You have no idea what you've called to do. We want to help you in these coming days and we're going to be running these, you know, throughout the year and the years ahead, but the action step is on the screen. We want you to attend the growth track. Let me just introduce the growth track to you. It's going to commence on the twenty seventh of April. It's going to be on Sundays and it's going to be four consecutive Sundays. It's going to just be for an hour and fifteen, hour and twenty minutes, straight after the service. There'll be food. There'll be food. We want every single person to go. Come and the first one we're going to have a party. Come and join the party. We're going to take you four weeks on a journey. For every single one of us, if you've been in this church for donkey's years, or if you've only just started, even if you're not in faith, we want you to come. Just come and enjoy the meal. Come and enjoy the company. And just for four weeks, yeah, it is a big, and we're just asking you to sign in for those four weeks. want to go on a journey, which will lead you to the place where you understand your purpose. And you can do that down at the resource hub, downstairs, 27th of April. Just book it in today because we want to help people to find their purpose. Let me say this is not a discipleship program or it won't make you spiritually mature. It's just designed, this growth track, to lead you to the next step. That's what it will do. It will just take you on the next step. And lastly, there's more I could say on that. But let me just take you to the last step point of what I want to make because the last one is make a difference it says there that you may experience the riches of his glorious inheritance he has for you in the saints remember, know God find freedom discover your purpose and now go and make a difference your life with all the saints with all the people of God makes a difference you see Every single one of us are looking for something that we'd love to give our life to and, and live our life for, and even worth die for. But many of us don't find that. Many people are looking for it in all the wrong places. I loved, I actually didn't love the end result. You can, all you Manchester United fans can all start shouting out. I watched the midweek match I, I had the joy of going with a few of the guys uh, some of Steve's family had organized to go up to Liverpool and Exeter and I was able to see Liverpool you know beat Exeter and then they were in the next round I'm talking football now all you guys have completely shut down and and you know I was able to see just watch on BT sports Liverpool against West Ham I absolutely loved watching it although I really didn't because they got beat but anyway um, loved watching it but some people live their lives for that they love to live their lives for the team. I was on the BBC radio um, this week again, and the main topic of conversation was poor Clement Sacking. And if you were one of those who called in and was very rude to me on the radio, shame on you. I had numbers of you, okay? <laughs> numbers of you with yeah, that Liverpool fan. I ain't got a clue what he's talking about. Well, okay. There are some people who live for all kinds of things. That new car, that adventure, that holiday, that hobby, that sport, none of those things are bad in themselves. I want you to enjoy all those things. But if they become the only thing that we're living for, there's something around. Psychologists state that clinically people find real joy when people serve others and make a difference. It's clinically proven. They call this the height of fulfillment. You become utterly fulfilled when you serve and make a difference in somebody else's life. John 15, verse 8 and verse 11 says this. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. Remember these verses for those who know the Bibles? Showing yourselves to be my disciples. I have told you this, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. In other words, the Father's joy is to us. The Father's glory is that when we bear much fruit, we become fruitful and productive. The Father loves it. And he also says, and your joy will be complete too. When you realize what you are there to do. So what is the next step? I really believe is to join a dream team. It was one of the highlights of our tenure here to see 221 people. Didn't all turn out, there was about 180, but invited to our Dream Team Christmas party. It was a joy. It was a blast. And I just absolutely loved it that people are so committed from the church, from the community, and from the business. It was a joy to see so many people come from Lisa's team in the community. Some people have never been in this building before. They've seen it, and they would say they belong to it. Come and join so many people from church, all the teams that we run. It was such a joy. And the next step of this, if you want to discover your purpose, you is join a join a dream team. Now, we understand you can serve God, and we want you to serve God, Monday through to Sunday, in your workplace, in your school, in your university, in your neighborhoods, absolutely. But there's also something about just bringing your contribution to God's house. Why do I say that? Because we need more volunteers. We always do. You could look on and think we've got everything sorted. We haven't. But I'm not saying it for that. This isn't for my gain. This is for your gain. Something happens when you just feel like you belong to a team and you're just giving something, you're contributing. There's something that happens. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It is such a joy. It really is. You see, we must understand this. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 27 says says this. All of you together are Christ's body. And each of you is a part of it. Every one of us is valuable. Every one of us is precious. If you feel you're weak here today, you are very welcome. Because we're believing that actually, if you're weak, you're going to become stronger in Jesus' name. If you feel like you're on your knees today, and you think, oh, what am I here for? I've got nothing to bring. Let me tell you, you're in great company. We want you here. This is a church for all kinds of people. But we want you all to find your place. In the body of Christ, so we want you to know God. We want you to find freedom. We want you to discover your purpose. We want you to make a difference. And all we want you to do is take the next step. Can I just draw you in now and draw it to a close? Because I think there are some people here who need to make take the next step with regard to water baptism. You know Jesus. You've made a decision. You don't know everything about Him, but you've made a decision. You've never been baptized. You've been christened or you may have been done it years ago and it didn't mean anything to you. You just did it because you just thought you had to do it. I'm encouraging you to go and give your name today. Don't delay. Go and give your name today down in the resource hub, the reception area. Because on the 27th of March, which is Resurrection Sunday, on Easter Sunday, we're going to have a great baptismal service. We want you to invite all your friends, all your family. We want you to tell people about what God has done in your life. I heard this story a few weeks ago with regards to water baptism and shows you the cost of it. You know that song, I've decided to follow Jesus? I'm not going to sing it out because you don't want to hear me, Pam, sing it. But it came out of a story because in the 19th century, there's a Welsh missionary that went to Assam in northeast India. And he spoke to a number of people And there was one particular convert, a Hindu, who converted to Christianity. And the chief heard about it in this area. True story. Heard about it in this area. And brought him before the middle of the village and said, renounce your faith. And the man stood there and said, I have decided to follow Jesus. They said, if you do not renounce your faith, we're going to kill your wife They brought the wife out. He said, no turning back, no turning back. They slit her head off. He said, then went on to say, they said, are you going to renounce he said, the cross for me, world behind me. And they split his throat too. As a result of that, this is true. You can check it out all, on, all on, it's on the internet. It's not fake. It's all there. This is where all the song came out of. Somebody took that story and wrote the song. What was his name? The guy who wrote the song so you know. Sadhu Singh wrote the song that we now sing now. As a result of that, the chief saw the faith and conviction. It was reported that the whole village, he he said, because that's how it was, the whole village needed to convert to Christianity. This was the decision that this man decided to follow Jesus. Baptism is all about saying, I've decided to follow Jesus. no turning back. Anybody with me this morning? No turning back. I did forget to say something very important, I do apologize, just before I give the appeal. I have some wonderful guests here. Stephen and Alini and their two boys. Stephen and Alini are great pastors in Scotland. So they've been allowed, they had the border control check and they've come down here just for a few days and uh, I had a great connection while I was up there with them and I've just spent four days here, I've had a day with them and just a meal with them last night and it's just great to welcome them here. I wonder if we could just show. <clears throat> They're a great couple, you know, great affinity when I, when I met with them and that's only just been built over these last few days. Today you may say, I want to know this Jesus. I want to know this God. I wonder if we just all bow our heads.